Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Namaste, yogis. I'm Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. I believe one of the most enlightening things that you can do for yourself is immerse your mind, body, and spirit in yoga. Yoga is union, and when we unite, together we inspire flight to uplift this world. Your path to awakening to the transformative power of yoga starts now. You have to challenge yourself and remember what your dharma is. And when it's time to mature and grow, you must let everything else go and move into that new awareness. In the same way I had to at one point own and I had to at one point pray. It was my body was calling me to change. And that's what I invite the influencers to do. Do not get stuck in what it is that you're doing. You will lose the momentum and the opportunity that you've been given to support people in transformation. Sean Korn is one of the most influential yoga teachers on my yoga path to date. Every time that we have the opportunity to connect, I feel my walls of vulnerability completely drop as my heart splits open. And this episode is a complete example of this magical phenomenon. Sean's accomplishments and accolades are too long to list, from her fearless leadership creating Off the Mat into the world, to her passionate means to empowering activism through her teachings, Sean embodies what it means to be a yogi of faith and optimism, especially in today's fragile world of fear and uncertainty. In this powerful episode, Sean and I uncover what it takes to come back to the authenticity of your soul and to lead, teach, and live from the heart. Listen close as Sean reveals what it takes to have a revolution of the soul on this outstanding episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast with Sean Korn. Brings me absolute joy and clarity to be here seated with the one and only Sean Korn. Another beautiful day. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us here on the Yoga Revealed podcast. How are you feeling today? I feel good. Yeah, yeah I'm here in Tahoe. Yeah, I'm sure everyone can hear the music behind us. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's a beautiful day. I feel good. Yeah, it's satsang. Satsang is actually... Um, 
a really incredible lyricist and I really appreciate their music. And it's a beautiful opportunity to have some good vibrations in the background and mm -hmm. to be here in nature mm -hmm. and to have the opportunity to tap into the times that we're currently living in. And um, I feel that you, in, in holding the, the torch for the yogis, I feel, um, happen to be one of the wisdom keepers mm. of the yoga lineage. And that is why I wish to have this conversation today um, that I really want to focus on your book and also what it means to, to really bring forth a revolution of the soul. Yeah, yeah. Well, these are tough times. And uh, the thing is, though, they have been tough times for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. There are other people, people who look like me, who are just kind of waking up to how fractured our society has been and how the systems have been set up mm -hmm. to continually keep people emotionally, spiritually, even physically oppressed. And right now, more than ever, because our nation is in trauma, there's so much suffering that's being excavated from deep within the fabric of our nation that's exposing just the deep shadow. And unfortunately, most of the people in this in our nation don't have the tools to be able to deal with that trauma as it's getting excavated. So hate is meeting hate, fear is meeting fear, and we can feel it. Um, and at the same time, even though it's so uncomfortable and really awful, it's so necessary because the only way that we can really begin to change uh, this deeply internalized whether it's racism or sexism or homophobia or transphobia, ageism, ableism, and the bias and the prejudice that has existed and continues to exist, is to see it, is to see it within ourselves, to hold ourselves accountable, and to begin the process of transforming it. And you can't change it until you can witness it, until you can see it. And right now, we are seeing it. And so people are struggling. And and like I said, people like myself, you know, the white dominant culture, they're, they're really being forced to have to take, um, recognize our complicity in perpetuating this separation. So even though these are tough, tough times, I'm grateful that there is this excavation that's happening because now we can go in there and actually change it, but from the inside out. And when you speak of changing it from the inside out, I feel like really becoming a witness has to happen. Mm -hmm. And that witnessing yourself, I feel, comes from a deep exploration of releasing yourself from your ego, your mm -hmm. personality. Um, in those times, I feel, there's almost a, like they say, like a, a feeling of dying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I felt it where I felt like there was no piece of me that wanted to continue to live. Mm, mm. And what do you feel is the integral spirit within us all that keeps us thriving forth to bring forth that which is our own light mm -hmm. or our own story or our own art? Yeah, well, it's God, creative conscious, whatever you want to call it. There is this pulse 
that radiates in all creative beings. The only thing that blocks us from being able to identify and really behold that essence is just our humanity, our ego, our trauma, our fear, our limiting beliefs, all the things that make us so wonderfully complex as beings. That shadow just blocks the light, but the light's already there. And I just have to, in my own heart, hold that hope, hold space for each human being and be willing to see the beauty in that soul and recognize everything around it. It's, it's a mask, of course, it's an illusion. And if though they do the work and they strip it away, what gets exposed is so magnificent and it's that magnificence that will lead us towards peace. But if I'm standing in judgment towards someone else, um, it only means it's because I'm recognized something in them that I have rejected inside my own heart. And so there, there's nobody that doesn't embody that flake of grace. Um, but everyone's got their own karma. They're working out their stuff and it is hard work. I'm telling you, especially right now, more than ever, being in denial is, is so much easier than waking up and opening ourselves to consciousness and confronting the shadow self because you have no one to blame. It's just you and your breath and your mat and your meditation cushion and all the craziness in your mind. You have to face all the things that you don't want anyone to know about. Your fears and your jealousy and your ambitions and your, your self-beat. It has to come forward so that we can see it, acknowledge it, understand where it's come from and then transcend it. That's deep work, it's courageous work and I understand why people would resist it. Mm. The thing is though, denial and dissociation, we know what's, if we stay on that path, we know the end result. It's the loss of self, it's the loss of soul, it, it's a, a perpetuation of the disconnection within ourselves, within this planet, towards each other. It's death, mm. but it, but not death as liberation. It's death of the soul. And so... What do you mean by that? It's, it's devoid of compassion. And again, that might be someone's path. That might be what one has to walk until they awaken. I don't know what it looks like for each person and I'm very resistant to judge someone what their experience looks like if they live the, their whole life in denial, in dissociation. That's just what their path was this time mm. around. I hope they don't take too many people down with them. And I pray in the next lifetime, they're given more space for resources and tools so they can confront the disconnection that's within themselves. But I don't know if that's necessary for their path this time around. And so the death of the soul, is, is, is a, it's, not, it's not the same as the death of the ego, it's the loss of love, self-love, mm. you know, compassion, empathy. And um, so my hope is that people commit to doing the inner work on themselves, stay on their side of the street, focus on the ways in which they're complicit to separation, recognize the deep shadows that we all have and what our humanity is being called up to right now to have to confront. If we can do that and dismantle the systems within ourselves that actually perpetuate um, oppression, we can be influential. But if we're fixated on what someone else has to do, there's odds are we're avoiding our own pathway. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean we don't hold people to account, but we got to call people up and in, not out. And the best way to do that 
is to model what it looks like to take accountability, to be humble in the process and welcome people in, meeting them where they're at and giving them the tools so that they can get comfortable in their own skin to even want to take that one step further and not any more than they can handle at that time. And I feel like, you know, with the amount of distractions that we have with social media being mm -hmm. what most people wake up to on a day-to-day -day basis, mm -hmm. I feel, um, especially with my generation, yeah. that there's a lot of there's a lot of distractions, mm -hmm. there's a lot of temptation, there's a lot of seduction into a space that is outside of themselves. Sure. And also a space that incentivizes, you know, looking pretty and, mm -hmm. you know, really just going towards what I would call like the, the boga yoga. It's mm -hmm. like the, the look good, feel mm -hmm. good without actually doing good mm -hmm. and bringing forth the light that is meant to be shared. Mm -hmm. um, and with that being said, how do you feel that we take the steps to mm -hmm. really do the self-work that needs to be done? Mm -hmm. Everyone's got their own unique pathway to awakening. And I really do believe within my heart that the moment you roll out that mat and you put your palms together and you say yes to transformation, transformation is inevitable. It just takes time. Like I remember back in the day, so back in 1994, let's say, when vinyasa flow yoga was just was just emerging, power yoga and this this hybrid of systems. Mm -hmm. At that time, there were very specific systems and you followed the system and you followed the the language of the guru and you didn't veer away from your system. And Something happened at that time where teachers came in and started to recognize that to speak to mainstream yogis, you had to make it accessible. You had to meet them where they were at. You had to play the edge between tradition and um, contemporary awareness that included looking and feeling good in their bodies. Mm. And I used to imagine that as we were all coming up and our classes were popular and there was a lot of uh, hype and the commercialization of yoga was just happening and young teachers like myself were becoming celebrated, you know, two minutes out of their teacher's training. None of that had happened before. I used to joke with my friends that I imagined my senior teachers sitting around a table, you know, over herbs or whatever they were doing, <laughs> you know, Mati. Rod Stryker, Rodney, Chuck Miller, Richard Freeman, you know, Patricia Walden, Lisa Walford, you know, all the people that we looked up to. I imagine them hanging out saying, what the hell is this bullshit? Like, what is this vinyasa bullshit? This is not yoga. What is this shit? And yet, now, by the way, none of them were doing any of that, but I like to imagine here, they, these are the traditionalists. They had to be confused by this stuff that we were making up. And yet, look at the impact that it did. Now, at the time, like when I was a young teacher, I'm linking 24 poses together on one side. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm cranking up the heat. People are like just absolutely having the time of their lives. There was no integrity. There was no nuance. I didn't own, I didn't, certainly didn't pray, but I got them in the room. And as I evolved, 
because I was practicing and committed to the practice and hurting myself in the practice and realizing like, oh, people are getting hurt in my classes. There's a common denominator to their injury. And I think it's me. Mm. <laughs> and so my teaching matured. I owned. I said namaste. I prayed. I slowed it down. I got more nuanced. And the impact that that had on mainstream yoga is massive. So when I talk about social media today and I see the bikini models and everyone's performing their poses, I imagine me, Brian Kest, Saul David Ray, Shiva Ray, all the mainstream yoga teachers sitting around a table drinking our kombucha and saying, what the fuck is this bullshit? What is this stuff? They're playing music in class and they're dancing and they're naked and, you know, what is this? I like to think that yoga is so powerful that it cannot be diluted by individuals like myself or you or anyone else out there in the world who's doing whatever they're doing. I like to imagine that maybe someone who is looking at social media, like a 16-year-old girl, maybe. She's looking at that young woman in a bikini doing yoga on the beach. And she says to herself, I want to be like her. And goes into a yoga room. And for a long time, maybe, that's her goal, is to be like her, to have that body, to have that beauty, whatever it might be. But then I like to imagine that one day she's in that class and she's moving and she's breathing and her body releases mm. and she comes into child's pose and she sobs. And in that moment, yoga has reached into her heart and invites her to become no one other than who she already is, which is love. But it took that moment to cross her over to that other side. I like to approach it with a little bit more hope that right now the universe is using what we have as a way to continually attract people in to the experience and trust that if they do their yoga and say yes to the initiation, the initiation will happen. The timeline is between each person and the God of their understanding. My challenge though to the Instagram um, influencers. Don't get caught up in what works. Don't get comfortable because you're at a place where you know that people are following you because of the bikini or because of the handstands or because of whatever you're doing. You have to challenge yourself and remember what your dharma is. And when it's time to mature and grow, you must let everything else go and move into that new awareness. In the same way I had to at one point om and I had to at one point pray. It was my body was calling me to change. And that's what I invite the influencers to do. Do not get stuck in what it is that you're doing. You will lose the momentum and the opportunity that you've been given to support people in transformation. And that's what I hope they do, they do their work. They reflect on why, in terms of their own stuff, why are they in the bikini? Why are they needing to show themselves in that way? Um, what is it fulfilling within them that in terms of their small self 
that they need to step up their game to be in service to their larger self. And that's a part of their own journey as well. Yeah. That really that really hits home for me because I feel that I have kind of like ascended to the point where I can see myself on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And in seeing myself on this mountain, I realize that there's a much higher peak. Mm-hmm. And that much higher peak can only be attained through deeper devotion, through really becoming clear with who I am and what I stand for. Mm-hmm. And it really brings me back to the essence of what it means to be a yogi Mm -hmm. or what I feel in my own perception of yoga it is to be a yogi Mm -hmm. and I feel that's to be a clear channel for light <laughs> I want to ask you um how do you cope with um really understanding your dharma and knowing what you have to move forward with and uh witnessing those around you who you love and truly appreciate um I would say falling prey to the mm-hmm. traps of mm-hmm. delusion mm-hmm yeah the dharma yeah it's hard it's hard it's for me it's an enormous amount of gratitude you know i feel i feel your pain i do i know it's hard it's hard <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but it's finding gratitude that you have the tools and the resources to confront your own limiting beliefs and your ego and your shadow and to feel all that you're feeling because most people can't they haven't been given permission or space or the tools. So they look outside of themselves to feel good, whether it's food or sex or drugs or alcohol, whatever it is to feel valuable, to feel worthy because of trauma. You know, most people are in that place where they don't know who they are and they just, it's the addiction of being affirmed, but there's never enough of anything. And thankfully you've awakened enough to know that the only thing to fulfill that emptiness is by being in relationship with God, which is love, truth, and being in service to that above everything else. Knowing that these bodies are temporal, our attitudes are temporal, everything changes, and we've got such a small little tiny, we're, we're here for a blip of time. And so the question, how will we use it? Now, if I had to choose at one point who was what I was in service to. Was I in service to my fear, to my ego, or did I want to be in service to something bigger and trust that I'm being used to fulfill this broader destiny, which is ultimately peace? And so I'm in service to God. Everything that I do, everything I create, all that I try, not, I don't succeed, by the way, because I have to, I'm, I struggle with my own ego, my own small self, but I'm in relationship with both. When I'm, in the, when I'm experiencing myself in my ego, I'm not trying to say this, this is bad. It's not like, oh, what's wrong with me? It's like, okay, there it is. What is my ego trying to tell me? What's the attachment that I have to this narrative? How seductive is this narrative to keep mm-hmm. me 
um, uh, satiated. And I just have to do the work around it, not, not judge it. Just be like, okay, just let's be in this narrative. But big picture, I feel, and it took years to get here, years. I'm 52 years old. I've been doing yoga since I was 19 years old. My first seven years on the yoga mat, there was no spiritual connection. I was an atheist. I just liked the way it made me feel in my body. I stopped drinking. I stopped doing drugs. I stopped eating meat. Those weren't big decisions for me. It was just, I loved yoga. I loved how I felt in my body and the meat didn't feel good. The drugs didn't feel good. Just one thing left after another. And then, but it took... I think all those years of doing that work of integration, of releasing tension, I didn't even know it was happening. I was being blindsided the entire time, but my nervous system was being prepped for the next level, which was being able to be, to deal with my deep internalized emotions and trauma, that my body had to release the tension to allow those bigger feelings to come up where I felt like my container was safe enough where God was like, okay, go there. I couldn't have known that because I still didn't believe in God. But once I was able to connect to those emotions, man, everything changed. But it was hard work. My, I fought it because the more I would be, I'd connect to those emotions and get vulnerable, suddenly my thought process no longer made sense because I was limited by just my five sense reality. Something else was cracking open in me that was bringing me space to reflect on my life. Mm. And in that, I began to discover that my pain is my purpose. And this purification that continually happens, happened and happens, it just suddenly, I started to love myself. And in the same way, naturally, I gave up habits that no longer served my physical body. I also gave up attitudes that no longer served my connection to a source within my heart that I still couldn't define as God, but I knew there was something else within me that was beyond my ego that was calling me back home to myself. And it was beautiful and tender and vulnerable and beautiful in a very, not not physically, but beautiful as an essence. Mm -hmm. I wanted more of that. And the more I felt and the more I grieved and the more I let my body wash itself of the fear and the anger and the anguish, something in my heart shifted and I really finally embraced God and you can call whatever you want God God is higher power you know angel spirit guides the the creator it doesn't matter it's just it's the I am in me it's not an it it's a we it's that source that radiates through all souls as energy as vibration once I opened to that I was able to develop and, and developing empathy and I really do believe that having empathy caring about yourself so much you can't help but care for another being because another being is an extension of who you are and my liberation is bound um, to yours and I can't be free unless you're free and suddenly I realized that there's a bigger picture to what's happening that we can't know about that's a God thing but we can be in service to this God thing And I recognize that I am here on this planet. I have certain skills and gifts as you do, as everyone who's listening does, that my job in the physical world is to hone those skills, is to do my inner work, 
and to continually challenge myself to make sure that I am serving a higher ideal and that's to help to awaken all souls to love. Because if we love, if we are empathetic, there can be no poverty, there can be no bias or prejudice, there can be none of those isms that separate and fracture us as a society. Um, there can be no illiteracy. Everyone would be fed, everyone would be happy, everyone would be at ease. Mm -hmm. But it requires deep personal work, and that's the hard part. Mm. So to me, it's like anyone who's listening, you know, your dharma is your purpose, it's the work you do in the world. And anyone on a spiritual path, as they continually do this work and purify themselves and recognize that they are here to share their gifts with the world, and to recognize that it requires individual engagement to serve the collective shift of consciousness that will ease this world towards peace. And everyone's participation is essential, regardless of your size, shape, color, skills, um, all of those, those aspects of being. All of us are being asked to open ourselves in that way and see the we in the me mm. and to recognize the importance of collective relationships at this time and so to me everything that i try to do in my teaching and in my work is looking at this bigger spiritual picture so when i take that last breath whenever it may be that i know that i use this time well that i didn't let my small self determine my choices that I continually confronted my ego and uh, my own self-determination and remembered what was important. And I think that goes, I hope that goes for everyone who, you know, who's on the path. Just keep challenging yourself, especially as you get older in this. Like I have a responsibility at this age, at this time, to be a mentor, to hold space for other young students and teachers as they elevate into um, whatever their service may be to help support them in that process. Only because I had so many people who helped elevate and uplift me. And one day, the, and that's what you do. And that's what the listeners will do. That's what we must do. But we cannot do that unless we challenge ourselves and mature. And, but I am ultimately very optimistic. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a lot of judgment about what people do. Because I do trust once they said yes to the path, the initiation has begun and the way in which that magic works is a, is an aspect of the mystery that is none of my business <laughs> it's between them and someone else all, yeah. all i have to do is love them wish them well and if they ask offer the tools that have helped guide me mm -hmm. i feel that you know yoga is this not only a journey of self-discovery but also a deep introspection as to how we're all interconnected mm -hmm. and um, in discovering that interconnectedness I think really what I'm asking is how do we amplify awakening mm hmm there's a myriad of ways in the yoga community we tend to very liberally talk about our interdependency and how we are all one and it is true mm -hmm. But I feel like until we recognize the differences and the ways in which we're not the same is when we can really work towards creating that ideal for all. Mm. And it's important for all of us to recognize 
not to just give lip service to oneness, but to really go within ourselves and ask, how do I create, how am I in my words, my actions, my deeds, creating separation in an overt way and in a subtle way, whether it's to the planet, to animals or to each other and change that. Mm. Um, it's hard, hard work because it's internalized. You know, as a white woman of privilege, I, I have to own. There's no way, if we believe in the mind-body connection, there's no way that I can't be racist or even sexist or biased or prejudiced. I can't not be homophobic or transphobic or any of those isms because it existed within my school, my mm. educational system, it existed within um, my religious system. It existed within my family, my grandparents. Part of your, your karmic predicament. Completely. So if I'm walking around the world saying I'm not racist, the conversation ends right there. Right there I'm doing damage because I'm not understanding that this is embodied. So I might not walk around the world overtly racist, but put me in a situation where I get afraid, where my, the reptilian part of my brain gets activated and I'm no longer in present time. It's almost your first instinct. Of course it is. Comes forth. Trauma. My body's going to say, scary person, I'm in danger. Why? Because my society has fed that into my consciousness. If I react from that place, there's a good chance I can get someone killed or put in jail or harmed in some capacity. I have to know that, that that's true for me. This is, to me, the, the yoga. I have to understand that predicament and do the work on myself to, to every day, to breathe into my body, to take note of the ways in which I create separation and not assume it's just gonna go away, but know that when that moment comes up, I'm grounded, I breathe, I recognize the fear and I make a different choice. Hmm. In that moment, it's like, okay, there it is. There's the shadow and the light side by side. And I work, it's like so hard to turn your body away from what's so habitual, but towards something that's actually more integrated. And I think as we begin to do that, we start to, again, have more compassion for how challenging the individual journey is because there are these hidden messages within all of us that we cannot possibly understand that are really impacting all of our choices. And so I'm gonna focus, I'm gonna stay, like focus on, on me, on my choices, on all of that shadow information and then invite people, model back to them what it looks like so I can normalize the conversation and make it okay for people to be willing to acknowledge the incomprehensible or the scary because I think that that's how we start to connect it's yeah. through that authenticity it's through the vulnerability it's through the willingness to be very human and be able to say we're sorry without being fragile about it just be like wow that was um that was that wasn't mindful that was harmful I see my part in that um making amends this is the way we start to feel each other mm -hmm. and connect. Because the moment I'm defensive, 
you know, I'm not racist, I'm not sexist. Yeah, you're putting up a wall. Yeah. And there's no, no, no space to relate. Mm-mm. It, it, this is, it's, it's deep work, it's raw work. But I really want to invite anyone who's listening to recognize that these times, as you've acknowledged, these are really tough times. These are dark, dark times, shadowed times. And simultaneously, many of, us, many of the people who are listening have access to tools and resources that weren't available a decade ago, yeah. 20 years ago. It's as quickly as the dark is rising is as quickly as the light is rising. It's the perfect inverse and opposite. Yes, it is. And we must have gratitude that for whatever crazy reason, I ended up on a yoga mat at 19. For whatever wild reason, I one day started to cry. Whatever wild reason, I suddenly believed in God. For whatever wild reason, I suddenly started to see that there's no separation between what I do on the mat and what's happening out in the world. Hmm. And that justice is yoga. That animal rights is yoga. That racial justice, environmental justice, food justice, it's yoga. I couldn't have known that at 19 though. And so for people who are doing this work, you must recognize that don't let yourself be limited by thinking that yoga is just what happens on the mat. Stay open to going towards the resistance in the same way you breathe into the challenging poses. Mm -hmm. uh, you go up against your edge, go up against your edges in life and breathe. Everything is a hard yoga pose. You just remind yourself everything is a hard yoga pose. So what do you do? You breathe, you remain grounded, you focus on the sensation, you observe your impulse to dissociate, and you stay in your body. And if we can do this, it will help us when we're in the presence of conflict or in someone else who's raging at the world, we'll be able to look at them and recognize that they're doing the best they can with what very little they know based on their own trauma that's internalized and the lack of tools that were available to them. How hard that must be to be in that body. And it's when we have that level of empathy, we don't expect them to be anywhere other than where they're at. Mm -hmm. And we move towards them with more compassion rather than judgment, which is yoga, which is what unites rather than separates. Mm -hmm. But I'm not gonna pretend that this is effortless. <laughs> I, I, I can't, it's work. But what a gift that we get to do this. We get to open our hearts to love. We get to open our minds to transcendent thought. We get to get on the yoga mat and be in our, our discomfort. I hold in my heart that most of the people in the world, because of systemic oppression, they would literally be killed or jailed doing what you and I are doing right now. Mm -hmm. Having a conversation, asking questions about what is, what is God, what is truth, what is love, what does it mean to be on this path? That's freedom. And most people would be killed. So then I think to myself, then how dare I not do this work? How dare I not be uncomfortable and confront my ego? You know, so I have to deal with the discomfort of not liking what I see, but I get to go past that illusion so that I can love what I know, which mm. is God. And I get to do that work so that hopefully, as I dismantle the systems within myself, I can engage with the world and dismantle the systems out in the physical world that are determined to break the soul of our society. The systems won't change until the people change. The systems are simply made up of people. Change the people, you change the system. system. And so that's the call to wake up. Change the individual and we will transform the collective. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm.
<sighs> that really resonates because I feel that, you know, <laughs> I would say that I speak for a lot of yoga teachers who are, you know, my age and out there, even beyond my age, who are just sharing, sharing mm-hmm. from their heart fully mm-hmm. in faith that they're changing the mm-hmm. way that other people think about how we are connected and mm-hmm. how we can actually change at a greater scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> and yeah. that brings forth so much hope and so much yeah. freedom to mm-hmm. be. And it gives me hope as someone who's, you know, as an older teacher who's been walking this for so long, seeing teachers like you, um, Jonah Kest, my love. Um, Bredrin. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know her last name. Chelsea. Chelsea Kors. Uh, yes. She's I love incredible. her voice. Um, there's so many others that I don't know their names, but I watch. I pay attention to their message. I've watched them evolve. And I silently sit back and think, there you go. There it is. And I remember them from the beginning. And I remember, you know, the Instagram posts and the bikinis. Um, Rachel, like we talked about Yoga Girl, evolving, growing. It's so beautiful. But I, because I'm, I, I'm older on the path, I expect that. Mm-hmm. Like it's part of, it's like, yes, there that is. It's like watching a flower blossom. Yeah, You're yeah. Like, oh. And so I don't want to sit back and like say like, well, what are you doing? It's like, no, 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 no. Like, let, let them do their thing. It, it's good. They're going to attract people that I can't attract. And in 20 years, there'll be other yogis coming up and they're going to be doing weird, funky shit. And you and Jonah and Chelsea and all of you are going to be sitting around your table. I don't know what you're going to be drinking and, and doing. You'll be gonna... somewhere in space, yeah, kicking gonna... it on like, you know, some interstellar orbital. <laughs> yes. And you're going to be looking at what those young people are doing. You're going to be, what the hell is this bullshit? Like, this is not yoga. How is this yoga? And my hope is that you go towards them Mm -hmm. and you offer them information and guidance and support without any judgment. And you help them to evolve, recognizing the reach that they have that you no longer have, Mm -hmm. that I no longer have. And that we continually keep allowing yoga to evolve to meet the society where it's at. Because it is moving fast. Yes. And the thing, you, you, you had said this earlier. I don't know if it was you and I talking personally or if it was on here. The one thing, though, about social media that is that does need to be acknowledged just on a, a, a neurological level is the impact that waking up in the morning and looking at your social media has on, on, your, brain. on your brain and your heart and the serotonin levels and all of that. It's a drug and it puts you into a trance. And it's, it's a very, it's something that in the same way we have to detoxify ourselves from drugs and alcohol to the younger yogis, I, I have to invite them to be really critically aware of what's happening within the subconscious that's going to make it harder and harder for them to break the addiction. I at least can stand on both sides. I know what it was like before social media and the way my body brain felt. I know what it's like when I do get caught up in it. I can feel the difference. I can feel the disconnect. I can feel the addiction. I can feel the numbing. And I'm not sure that when you, you're you raised in this that it you're able to, to sensitize yourself to the two sides as effortlessly. And so for people like you who are a little bit closer to it, you really have to encourage people to detox from it. 
to give themselves physiological breaks from the um, just the electronics because of what it's doing to the brain and that they might not even be aware of it. Mm-hmm. And that's the one piece that I get I get nervous about because we can't yet know the impact of that psychologically yeah. and physiologically. Because the technology is literally just evolving so quickly that it yes. doesn't even doesn't even give us the time to know. Yeah. And that's that's honestly why I feel that, you know, these ancient teachings, these mm-hmm. martial arts, yes. these really beautiful means of cultivation mm-hmm. of ourselves mm-hmm. is the key it's it's really what will allow us to continue to be human beings mm-hmm. yep and also it what's being supported in social media is and even in the editing that i see it's so fast so fast like your brain doesn't even have an opportunity to assimilate information vipassana meditation and all these other skills i I hope everybody, especially influencers who are really engaged in the world of social media, take a 10-day sit. Four of those days of which will be a, a detox like they've never experienced. Because the monkey mind flits from thought to thought to thought to thought. And if you're really invested in social media, you're doubly being trained to do that. Yeah. And again, it becomes so naturalized in our bodies that when they do begin to slow down and recognize their attachment to the distraction and they're left with the loneliness of the self and it is lonely, it is very isolated, there is no stimulation, it's just that moment, the grief, the fear, because who am I? Do I even exist? You have to feel yourself. Yeah, it's scary work, but it's to balance this my hope is that anyone who knows, who's listening to this and they're like, ah, crap, this is, might be me. <laughs> like, challenge yourself. Hey, I'll be the first to say mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely me. Go to do a Vipassana. You will learn so much about the way in which your brain works and how to really detox from the attachment that we have to these narratives that happen so quickly that distract us from our highest essence and see what you learn on the other side of it. Make a commitment to do it every year if you can as a, as a part of the gift you give yourself. And if you're serious, if one is serious about this path, and I hope everyone who's listening is serious because if they continue to do this work and really get past the glamour of it and get to the rawness of it, their lives will change in ways that are indescribable because their capacity for love will suddenly flourish and they will experience themselves in the world through such a different lens. And what then they choose to share on social media will be potent, not superficial, depth-filled, fraught with, um, with true beauty. And I only imagine having the skill of being able to access those worlds and the art of true love, and then blend them together, they can be in service in a huge and magnificent way that can actually move the needle towards peace. Hmm. That's my challenge to you. (laughs) I will happily take that challenge. And I feel that that's been part of my doctrine from the beginning of this year is that I made a commitment that before I reach 30, that everything that I do and produce as art 
will come mm-hmm. directly from my heart. Mm-hmm. And that no matter what, that I will take my time to put forth, you know, every single dotted I, every single cross T, every single, you know, namaste hands is from mm-hmm. my heart. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a blessing I feel to be able to, to feel how true and how integral that has been in you sharing what mm-hmm. you share. And I think mm-hmm. that that is why we continue to see each other <laughs> on this path of life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> and, um, and I enjoy watching what you do and what so many are doing. I do. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm not pessimistic at all about this. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. You know, now that's, that's why I'm, I'm asking you, you yeah. know, for, mm-hmm. for these tips for, yeah. you know, these steps, because I know that together we can do this. Yeah, we have to do it. Lives are at stake. People are dying, and especially people who live on the margins. And we have to be consciously aware that, like I said before, that our liberation is bound. And that if I really want to achieve the level of awareness that yoga invites us to, it means looking outside of yourself and looking at the world around you and seeing how do we become allies on this path, co-conspirators, how do we work together, how do we elevate each other. Collective consciousness. Yeah, and also recognizing how do we hurt each other and mm. stop it and and not pretend that we don't because we do every single day. And in so in a thousand little microaggressions, just chipping away at, you know, at, the, at, at, at each other's spirit. We gotta be really aware of our own humanity so that we can make this difference Hmm. thank you you're welcome thank you thank you thank you Mm -hmm. uh to put a finishing touch on the magnificence and beauty Mm -hmm. that you've shared with us today um can you tell us a little bit about (laughs) your book it's pretty much everything we talked about (laughs) yeah Uh, revolution of the soul yeah it's um what I did in this book, which I'm hoping that people will resonate with, it's a very contemporary, very progressive book. And it's um, 12 narratives, snapshots of my own messy, humiliating, humble, beautiful path towards spirit from the time I was 18 to now. Mm. And each chapter tells a story. But while I'm in the narrative, I can't know better. I'm in the narrative in present time. So things happen in these narratives that are eventually leading me towards transformation. But again, I don't know. I'm just in the narrative. The second part of each chapter is me at 52 saying, here's what was happening. Here's the teaching. Here's how this connects back to yoga. Here's what I couldn't have known that was yoga, that was presenting itself, but I wouldn't understand that until another five years. And so it starts physical, and it deals with just like the, the theory of, of yoga, me finally getting on a yoga mat and what, what that was physically, me starting to connect to being introduced to trauma and some of the issues that I dealt with as a child and how the yoga practice was starting to excavate it. And so the teachings then move to trauma and the mind-body connection, um, and then eventually moving towards... Uh, being in relationship to God as someone who was raised an atheist and how that informed me and changed me and then some of the theories that go around, you know, developing a relationship with the God of your own understanding. And then the second part of the book, first part of the book is called Evolution of the Soul. The second part is the Revolution of the Soul. And that's the now what. And looking at 
power, privilege, um, service. I put this in quotes for those who can't see me, helping. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing, stories, snapshots of me going out into the world doing good, but then what's getting exposed is the shadow, mm -hmm. my saviorism, my entitlement, and connecting it back to yoga. It was no different. I asked for transcendence, and God was like, okay, now you're ready to see, mm -hmm. to really look at all of those different isms and unpack them no separate from anything else that I had to go through. And that's what Revolution of the Soul is. It, it's to, it's The subtitle is Awaken to Love Through Raw Truth, um, Radical Honesty, and Conscious Action. And it's the invitation for everyone to um, do the inner work necessary so that we can work together to create a world that is fair and free, equal, safe, peace-filled and loving for all beings everywhere. Um, and that the, the evolution is the revolution and that the revolution is accountability. So I try to model back what that looks like and that means it's not pretty. I don't gloss it over. I let people see the messiness of my own journey because it's not messy. It's messy but it's also perfect. Mm -hmm. And my hope is it frees people up to be willing to unpack their own narratives, um, to take accountability for their own unconscious behaviors, and to see that there's a myriad of tools that are available to help them to understand it so they make healthier choices along the way. Mm -hmm. Comes out September 3rd. If people, um, I'm gonna be going on tour starting September 5th, and I hope people come and join me. Um, It'll be a 30-city tour in about 42 days. It's going to be fast and intense. So come out and like just bring me a smoothie and like Aww. you know some vegan anything and yeah. like pet my head and tell me it'll be okay. <laughs> um, they can pre-order the book now. They can also go to revolutionofthesoulbook.com and read the first chapter for free, mm -hmm. and download seven free videos that are just little snippets of my teaching um, to get a sense of some of the key points within this book. Certainly. Mm -hmm. Certainly, certainly. Well, thank you so much for sharing thank with us you. today, Sean. Thank you. Yeah. We are brighter and lighter for your wisdom, and we will continue to share this with others as we continue to uplift the consciousness of the world. Oh, I love that. I will hold you to that, too, because I expect the same from you. And so thank you for doing the work that you're doing. And I thank everyone who's listening for the work that they're doing, whether they're new to the path or they've been like throwing this down for years, you've been called. And the time is now for all of us to wake up, to show up, and to do what's necessary in order to create peace. And it is possible. I believe it in my soul. Blessings. Blessings to Namaste. you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into the Yoga Revealed podcast and being part of this growing, thriving community. Share these episodes with people who you love and want to see shine. Be sure to check out Sean Korn on Instagram at Sean Korn for daily inspiration. Visit her website for details on her Revolution of the Soul book tour at SeanKorn.com. Follow our journey on Instagram at Yoga Revealed and see these episodes live on our IGTV. Give us a five-star review if you really appreciate the inspiring interviews that we do. This is a community shaped by you. Let's shine bright and stay true. Until next time, blessings and namaste, yogis.
Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.